the end zone, and it is caught. Adolf here. Chubb. Down inside. The silent count. He bails out of the pocket there. And oh, Josh Hallers. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the JWB Dynasty Digest, where we give you consumable dynasty perspective. He's Skyler, I'm Wyatt, and today we are joined by our buddy Chase, who you can find on Twitter at FF underscore invention, intervention, excuse me. He's the creator of Fantasy Intervention. Really, you can find his content all over the place, one of the hardest working man, men out there. Chase, how you doing? What's going on, guys? How are we doing tonight? Not bad. Ready to watch this uh, game, I'm going to call it, that we're about to see in the weather. What do you think, Skyler? Yeah, this thing this thing is going to be disgusting. Um, I, kickers, I don't know what we're going to see. Any field goals, anything tonight, this game's going to be gross. It's a big one for know, Buffalo. Like, even, <laughs> can you even send them out there the way it's looking? <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know. You know, but Bills is a big, is a big game. Uh, I was just joking around with someone saying this is a uh, – we're looking for – to turn two wins in a row into four. You don't need to look at us losing nine out of 10 before that or uh, losing 21 out of 22 before that. <laughs> We're going to continue on. So so the yeah. good news, right, is the wind is actually just blowing in one direction. It's not like a giant wind tunnel. So they were kicking field goals uh, pregame from like yeah. 50 yards out. Like at the 50-yard line, they're kicking them, and it looked like you could make it from 80. I'm not kidding you guys. Wow. It went almost it's, – it's like three-quarters of the way to the top of the goalpost. <laughs> like, that's how far. Like, I mean, I'm talking about 80-yard field goals pretty easy. Yeah, but you're also talking, like, the hardest. You turned – you ever played a, like, paper toss back in the day? You're turning that – you're turning the fan <laughs> all the way up. Like, yeah, you yep. might be able to put it further, but yeah. you got to – it's still it's still a tricky game out there. And uh, I don't know if you guys have ever been to Orchard Park. When there's a little bit of wind, it really does, like, spiral up, and it can change at any point which direction it's going. It's – it's a mess. Like it's it's hard to throw the ball even in the parking lot when it when it becomes, <laughs> when it gets windy out there. So it should be an interesting game for sure. Yeah. Now before we get to the players, we always like to have a little bit of fun with our guests. Have a little question personalized for them. So Chase, now I know that you make some cocktails. So my question for you is that if you could have a cocktail with any player, uh, current or former. What player do you want to have a cocktail with, and what do you make of them? Oh, man, this one's a little bit tough. So, oh, man, player-wise, I don't know. There's so many different personalities out there. And, you know, as a bartender, you, of course, you know, you don't want somebody to be too lame. You want somebody that can actually <laughs> hold a conversation with you and, you know, kind of hypes you up, too, like as you're making the cocktails. That's always fun. You know, not not too much, not over the top. But right, right. let me go with. Deion Sanders would be a fun one to to bartend for, like at a private party or something like that. I've actually done a lot of private parties for celebrities and whatnot throughout the years, and some are, are really really cool. Like I've sat down and had multiple conversations. They'll they'll literally sit up at the bar just to avoid all the other guests at some right. points, you know. Right. He gets overwhelmed. So I've had some great conversations with uh, some celebrities throughout the years while making cocktails, and you know somebody like Deion Sanders, I think, would be a lot of fun. Uh, you know, as long as as you got his attention, of course, which is a whole nother world. But uh, in terms of what I'd make him, I don't even know. I, I have no idea what I would make <laughs> him. Right now, I'm on a kick. I'm doing a variation of a black Manhattan. So I'm doing rye whiskey, uh, 0.5 ounces of Verna, 0.5 ounces of Ancho Reyes, and two dashes of bitters. I'll go with orange and mole bitters. Uh, 
stir it, serve it up, and then maybe do a uh, a uh, a cherry along with that, where it's soaked in. I'll do cognac and amaretto. All Sweet right. it up a little bit. I'll take that. Yeah, even if uh, Dion doesn't want that drink, I'll come have it. <laughs> yeah, what was it? Uh, I don't think that's the first time we we heard that we heard uh, Sanders right. We did McMillan yeah, said we, he was going to give him the non-alcoholic IPA that he <laughs> he's brewed. Yeah. So wait, wait, wait. That's, Does Dion funny. Sanders not drink? <laughs> I uh, I'm not. I'm, I can't. That might be the word on the street, but I don't know for sure. But a previous guest said that so. We'll see. Yeah, I, I just think it'd be entertaining. Like, and, and to get him drunk, like, dude, Deion Sanders drunk would be hilarious. I think it just hell. tells more to where you know that guy's got stories. He's he's got greatness, and it'd be it'd be amazing to be able to hear it. No, absolutely, one hundred percent. I mean, you know, you have some other ones like Sean Taylor, who you know is is passed away. He would be great. Uh, you know, Daryl Green to an extent, but I want to have a little bit of fun. And Deion Sanders just seems like he's fun, so I'm going to go that route. Yeah, I think he would be a lot of fun. Why don't we move into our first player, Amon Ross St. Brown. Kind of had his breakout game this year. 10 receptions, 86 yards, the game-winning touchdown, giving the Lions their first win of the season. And, you know, he's had some decent games prior to this over the course of the year, but he's, you know, hasn't really been doing too much. I mean, how much do you expect out of a fourth-round pick? But he was someone who I actually liked coming into the NFL because while he doesn't really jump off the page anywhere, I thought he was someone who does everything well, enough and that he would instantly find a role on a team because he, he he runs routes well he's got good hands he could block in the running game that kind of thing do we think he's going to continue this and obviously now this was a big game but chase what do you think about amon Ra? so i wasn't a giant fan of amon Ra st brown i loved his film and i went back and, and broke it down i loved his film in 2019 i believe when he broke out however 2020 was somewhat underwhelming and you saw it you know his draft stock fall because of it it was just nothing that really popped off the page. And when it comes to his uh, workout metrics, you're looking at something extremely, extremely similar. I mean, he did what a four, six, six, 40. That's extremely subpar. Uh, you know, he had a, according to player profile.com, 129, uh, 129 burst score, which is 86 percentile. That's great. But then his agility score was 11.16. His catch radius was 10.03. That's not great. And then when you look at his size, right, his measurements, He's 5'11", 197 pounds. Uh, nothing really jumps off the page at that point. So he was somebody that I thought a lot of people were hyping up, and it was somewhat undeserved because of the – I guess it was somewhat deserved because of the 2019 film. But, you know, when you looked at what you're getting from a player, he wasn't great. However, there's nobody else on this offense. I mean, Quintess Cephas, who was, what, a, a fifth-round draft pick, I believe, or he was a late-round draft pick – for the Lions, I mean, he was their lead receiver. <laughs> and, I mean, he wasn't great. He ended up getting hurt, and they were left with nobody. So, you know, to some extent, Amon Ross St. Brown has some appeal to me or for me, but uh, he's, you know, somebody that I think is never going to get you over that hump for fantasy championships. As we work our way to the playoffs, that's what we're looking at. Uh, sure, he might have a good game here and there. I mean, he is averaging five point four receptions per game over the past eight so i mean that's solid but are we expecting for him to get a touchdown and you know get uh, 86 yards which is what he had this past week receiving no he, he had his first career touchdown 86 yards receiving and he saw 10 receptions on 12 targets we're not going to see that you know as often moving forward 
Yeah, you hit on it for me where it's basically there's the opportunity in front of him because there's really no one else there. But I also do think that his ceiling is kind of capped just because of like his measurables as a player. I'm not sure he can really develop into anything more than like a, a nice PPR receiver that you might flex. Uh, Skyler, what do you think? Yeah, I think that's exactly what he profiled out to be when we were talking about him coming out of the draft, right? Nothing, no athletic measurables jump off the page to you. The draft capital wasn't quite there. But what he was coming into the league was uh, he's a good burst guy with a decent route tree, a little, can do a little bit of everything you need him to, who should be able to get out on the field and contribute in year one on a team that has a very non-competitive wide receiver room, right? So that was kind of the thing is he was a very low upside but maybe a guy you could flex in your ppr formats you know maybe as soon as year one that's what we are looking for it's been a little bit of a disappointment thus far but the inconsistencies um i think that's just what we've come to expect with detroit wide receivers each week if you can predict who on the lions is going to have that big week it seems like every different week it's a different breakout guy there right so just long term uh, i don't love what he's attached to right uh, and, and Wyatt said it, yeah, he's, he's a guy who's, you know, volume dependent. And what Jay's saying, I wouldn't expect this type of volume every single week. Um, you know, if you drafted him this year in your rookie draft, it was around like the 210. He was kind of that guy who bridged the absolute dart throws, um, like, a, like a Diami Brown in your rookie drafts, and kind of the earlier picks that we liked where the cutoff was kind of like Kadarius Tony and... Um, like Pat Fryermuth in the mid to, you know, the back of your second round. So I don't think I would pay a second for him in terms of value because he was kind of end of the second round to begin with. And sure, I'd give a, you know, maybe a third if you need that PPR type of option moving forward. But he's, he's a tough player to kind of grasp any value on uh, just because, again, nothing jumps off the page to me. And I do want to caution some people when it comes to trying to pick him up off waivers this week. You know, maybe you want to grab and try and use him for the playoff run. Maybe you want to trade for him, you know, in Dynasty and, and try and use him for the playoff run. I would advise against that. He has the Denver Broncos this upcoming uh, week and then the Arizona Cardinals after that. The Denver Broncos with Kyle Fuller over there has been playing uh, lights out. Over the past, what, four games or three games, he's seen – 14 or 14 targets his way, which, you know, is, is not very much as you can see it. He's only allowing 135 yards. He's only allowed one touchdown over the past three games in the slot. Uh, you know, he, he's playing pretty much like lights out over there for Denver. And then you have uh, Murphy over there, Byron Murphy for the Cardinals, who is the best cornerback on the team. And he typically, you know, falls into the slot, falls into the slot as well. So we're not looking very uh, solid matchups for Amon Ross St. Brown or very favorable match matchups for Amon Ross St. Brown moving forward. Hey, certainly a tough guy for this year to comfortably put in any lineup. Talking about the playoffs, baby. This is the playoffs. <laughs> and, I, and I'm you playing Amon Ross St. Brown. No, nah, you're not going to make it to the so. finals with that. Chase, let me ask you, if you're an Amon Ross St. Brown manager, um, what are you looking for if someone came asking for his price? So I have Amon Ross St. Brown in one of my leagues. And this draft class coming out, it's getting a little bit more hype as we get closer, just like every single draft class normally does. However, I'm still not a massive fan of this draft class. Uh, with that being said, there are some wide receivers that I expect to fall into the early second round. So if I have Amon Ross St. Brown, I think that 
he you're in a position with what he just did to ask for a early second round pick. However, the only way that you're actually getting an early second round pick is if one of the other fantasy managers in your league traded for a pick maybe earlier on, on in the season and they have somebody else's early second round pick because if somebody's losing and they have their own early second round pick, they want to want to yeah, they want it. They're not going to go trade for Amonara St. Brown because the questions behind Amonara St. Brown are hey, are they are they going to do a quarterback? You know, are they going to roll with Jared Goffkin? Are they going to go draft a bunch of wide receivers? Is Amon Ross St. Brown even going to have a job, you know, next year as, as a starter in this offense? So the people that want Amon Ross St. Brown want him for a playoff run likely and then the future as well. Maybe it's a borderline, you know, playoff team. Maybe it's a team that, you know, doesn't think they can make it all the way in the playoffs without a little bit of help. So, and they're still obviously looking for the future. So you're going to need to find a team that has already traded and acquired an early second round pick or what looks to be an early second round pick that is actually a uh, competing team. I'll take most any second to be to be fair if we're going to if we're going to talk about it for Amra because I just know right he was a late second last year and I just know moving forward what you can do with a second round pick come draft season when the, when the hype continues to climb and um, I just would be more confident in my ability to turn that second and if I if there's a player I like Sure, but turn it into something more valuable come draft season than Amonra St. Brown, or at least how I feel about him moving forward. Well, that I depends like... on where you got him, too, in your, in your rookie drafts. Yeah, most people probably got him in the late second or, or, you know, early third. But, I mean, that's the thing. Like, the only thing that's more uncertain than, you know, more uncertain than Amonra St. Brown's future is a late second round draft pick. I mean, you never know what, you, you know, if you're going to be able to hit or what you're going to be able to do. And sure, you can end up turning into something as the hype ends up growing and possibly get a 2023, you know, early pick, something on those lines. But, you know, there's just so much uncertainty behind draft picks. And at least with Amon Ross St. Brown, you at least know that you have a player on a roster that is getting utilized right now and could be integrated into the offense, could see more targets as he continues to develop. And like I said, I mean, there's still a ton of uncertainty around it, but I think there's more uncertainty uncertainty surrounding a late second round pick in what's perceived to be a very weak class. I think personally, if I'm an Amara St. Brown manager, I'm probably just holding unless I found out it was like a very early second that I could get um, just because I don't think it's a big enough ROI to just not see what I have in Amon Ra moving forward. Why don't we move on to our next player, Josh Jacobs, who since Gruden's departure has kind of been involved more in the passing game we just saw him catch nine passes uh and he actually has now set a career high for receptions in a year and it's only in 10 games so far and we just found out that Kenyon drake is actually out for the season which could benefit him and uh retaining some of that receiving role so you know while i was not very much in on josh jacobs coming to the year i'm starting to like buy in a little bit more now that his role starts to look to be a little bit more stable you know he had those crazy win loss splits and wins he's great and losses he's terrible but if he's going to be involved as a receiver maybe he can break that split skyler what do you think about josh jacobs um personally i'm just out on josh jacobs i think it's it's a little it's a little bit of a trap i've talked myself into josh jacobs more than once and um i've never liked the way it, i've felt about it in postpartum so uh just for me i would probably try to use this 
this new role he seems to be sliding into is leverage to acquire a guy like Michael Carter or Elijah Mitchell or A.J. Dillon plus and just see if there's people who are now back in on Josh Jacobs, right? He runs mean, and durability is a huge concern for me. He's 23 years – or he's in the – past the third year of the contract, right? So we're talking um, – so he'll be the for, for the fourth or the fifth, but health long-term, he's just not a guy I thought was built to last – in the league, just the way he plays, I feel like he was a guy that is going to be used, abused, and then just kind of like left off. And with this organization, with not knowing what is to come, because I still think there's plenty of moves that they're going to make. Um, you know how much of it's been, how much of a mess the organization has been in the last 18 months or so. Um, you know the O line is built for pass protection, not for the run game. Uh, there's just there's a lot of flag still there for me and i think the thing people overlook they're like oh at his price right and that's what people were telling themselves in startup drafts this year to talk themselves into jacobs in the fifth sixth seventh round and uh is the opportunity cost right so moving assets to acquire josh jacobs or taking josh jacobs because he quote fell to the sixth round you know it can help or it can blind you from making moves on other plays that have in my opinion a higher potential for a higher roi so personally, I'm out on just Jacobs. If I'm an owner, I'm viewing this this reception thing as a, a way to be able to sell to sell Josh Jacobs a little higher than he would have a month ago. What do you think, Chase? Uh, very well said. I, I agree with a lot of points that you brought up. However, Josh Jacobs looks just uh, eye test wise. He looks better than, than he's ever looked. And yeah, he definitely runs a little bit violent and it, puts his body at risk and we've seen him every single year since he's come into the league deal with, you know, injury after injury, maybe not injuries necessarily, but, you know, aches and pains and, you know, forcing him out of the game at some point only to come back in and, you know, be kind of subpar. Uh, however, you know, with Josh Jacobs usage, it, it's been absolutely insane. So right now he's tied for the second most targets to a running back since the bye in week nine. He's uh, tied with Austin Eckler at 29. He actually has two more receptions than Austin Eckler. However, he has 90 less yards than Austin Eckler. So he's not very efficient once he does catch passes. He has not been able to get in the end zone as a receiver in that time span. Meanwhile, like Austin Eckler's gotten in the end zone four times, so you're getting a lot more points from that. And it's kind of telling as to who he is. So that's when I want to look into him as a player of the future. Okay. So he's catching a ton of balls right now. He's getting a ton of utilization, but he's not really doing anything with it. They could easily go to look to fill his role as, you know, and get a pass catcher on third down, which is something that, you know, they wanted to do anyways. That's why they brought in Kenyon Drake only to you're realize me that the, he's bad. You're telling me the Raiders <laughs> might bring in a pass catching running back? Have they done, have they, have they done that before? Who would have thought? I don't Who'd know. Thought? Doesn't fit my so, agenda. Yeah. Oh, by the way, who – I'm, I'm going to let y'all guess who's leading the league in targets over that, you know, from weeks nine to week 13. Is it Leonard Fournette? It is dude. Dude, you know, that. <laughs> I didn't think anybody would get it. That's great. <laughs> you know, every dog has its day. That was good. I <laughs> so anyways, uh, you know, is he somebody that I want on my team for playoff run? Absolutely. Like I want him for the rest of, of 2021. Um, on my roster starting every single week because he's almost matchup proof to an extent. However, moving forward, if I'm a rebuilding team, there's no way I would ever, you know, 
pin him as an acquisition or somebody that I'm targeting just because it's so, uh, you know, it's so risky to do so without knowing his future and, and without knowing the future of the Raiders, you know, I guess I'm dealing with a lot of uncertainties here, but I like having certainties when I'm talking about, you know, players I'm trying to acquire or not trying to acquire. I want to, I want to feel good about their situation moving forward. And I don't feel great about the Raiders situation. Well, you want to feel good about the situation of a running back going into his fourth year with an injury history, right? If you're yeah. going to buy in at that point, you that's where you'd want the certainty. You can take a little bit more of the gamble of, and eh, they got two or three years to figure it out when it's Josh Jacobs coming in as a first-round pick, right? But yep. when you're three years removed, it's a completely different conversation. Oh, yeah, yeah. If we're talking like Najee Harris, you know, versus Josh Jacobs, of course I'm, you know, taking Najee Harris and running with it, uh, you know, just because he has years to, to be able to perform. But, you know, running back who's going to be looking into a second contract soon, Josh Jacob Sanderson and myself were talking about this recently. Like it just feels gross to ever invest into a running back on their, their second contract. And it's just becoming more and more prevalent as we get, uh, you know, more and more running backs getting bigger deals. Yeah. Well, I think if you're looking in terms of a trade, you made a good point where if you're making a push this year for the title, I love acquiring Josh Jacobs as a flex option right now. If I'm a win now team, because I would bet you if there's a team that's two and 11 right now, you know, three and 10, whatever, whatever they are at this point in the season, uh, if you could still make trades, uh, if you have a guy like Michael Carter who became into your flex and, uh, you know, and he's and he's out, there might be that two and 10 manager who will give you a trade where they could move, they would move Michael Carter or they would acquire Michael Carter, maybe your second, which is you think is going to be late that's for exactly Josh Jacobs, right? And that's I think that's a move that could benefit both parties because earlier I talked about how I'd be using Jacobs to position myself for Carter or Mitchell or Dylan. Uh, not Mitchell. I If I'm a winning now, I want Mitchell in my lineup. But for Dylan and Carter, maybe if you feel Jacobs is an upgrade for one of those two guys in your flex, then, um, you know, it might be a move worth – uh, looking to make because it could benefit both of your teams i would not move aj dylan for him but the carter one is exactly what i was thinking carter in a second i would take that if i was the josh jacobs person if i was losing and i would also trade that if i wasn't the josh jacobs uh, manager and winning so yeah i would 100 percent do that trade on both sides yeah i'm down with that that's where i was like looking for josh jacobs too is if you're a competing team i think he's a guy that you want to check in on the price on because i think he can help you rest of season Let's let's jump into our last player, Dallas Goddard. Just had his big game of the year: six catches, 105 yards, two touchdowns, with one Gardner Minshew at the helm. Which we don't really know if how much that's going to be continuing. Um, I would think that Jalen Hurts comes back into his job, but we've also talked a lot about on this show how we're not positive that the Eagles are going to invest in Jalen Hurts long term. So it'll be interesting what happens here. Uh, Chase, how are you feeling about Dallas Goddard right now? Well, real quick, let's, I'm going to go ahead and say that they came out today and said that there was no quarterback competition, that it's Jalen Hurts locked in. Um, so, you know, that, that's good for, you know, managers who roster Jalen Hurts, not great for everybody else in the roster because and Gardner Minshew was absolutely incredible. And the game script that they drew up for Gardner Minshew was right on point. I mean, we came in thinking that Dallas Goddard was going to be an absolute stud for 2020 and he's been good but yeah i mean 2021 he's been good but he has been great i mean when you talk about his biggest game what 72 yards is what i'm looking at he had a couple ones with touchdowns in there to get him into double digit points like a 16 point outing yeah i mean it, it just 
it's been somewhat some par from Dallas Goddard. And then he comes out and he has this massive game, six receptions, 105 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, and the thing was, was he looked good doing it. Don't get me wrong, but you could tell that he was just that dude. Like he was the guy that was the main part of this game script. So, you know, moving forward, if they decide to game script him in like this, that's great. Uh, but I just don't see that happening. The skill sets don't match, uh, mesh well with Jalen Hurts. And, you know, he's somebody that, like I said, I like. I think that he's a good player for the future, and he's somebody that I want to acquire, but the price has to be right. I'm not going to go out and overpay for him. I'm not going to go out and try and, you know, make sure that he's on my roster. You know, I, I need Dallas got it. Be very cautious while trying to go after him. Yeah, he's he's the kind of guy who's, who's uh, perceived value in the market is completely dependent on those big games, right? When he, he catches the touchdown, suddenly he's like, nah, guys, you have to pay a top five tight end price. He has, but like before this game, a month in a row of very lackluster production. And it's, and it's, it's, yeah, I would, I'd rather have Pat Fryermuth. Like this is just how the market re- reacts. And, um, and I, so buying Dallas Goddard is definitely a timing thing. Um, I agree completely when you said that he doesn't necessarily fit Jalen Hurts's style of the game so that is that is potentially the only yellow flag here for me other than that um I think this is just kind of what he is and by that I mean just a a volume dependent guy right if he can get if he can continue on where he's getting the six to seven targets a game he's a guy with a safe four he's never really been quite a touchdown guy even in college he was just a good receiving tight end Uh, and he's a good blocker so he is one good thing is he is always on the field he, he gets out there. He's always going to be involved. Um, but for me to pay for hi, the price for him to be a top option on my team, uh, he would have to show us that he's much more involved in the offense, that he is catching touchdowns, that he is, you know, to an extent better than what we were even seeing out of the usual Ertz, right? Um, the narrative coming into the year was you know Ertz is either gone or dust and neither one of those were true up until recently so i'll be curious after this year or even after this game how the narrative that now gets pushed right if people are expecting that jump and um i don't quite see it i see him as like Ertz was for almost every year but maybe the one or two huge years it's just a steady guy you know a guy who's gonna be around that top 12 more often than not yeah, and he's never pass blocking to your point. Like when he's out there, he's running the routes, you know, he's doing all that. And if you brought up Pat Fryermuth, if I can move Goddard for Fryermuth plus, because you might be able to do it plus, I would do that in a heartbeat. Like I would do that in an absolute heartbeat. No, I have uh, them right next I to I would each even other do it for straight in, up in my rankings. I just think it depends what you look for, right? If long term you like a guy who's more of that possession uh volume dependent guy or you want a guy who's seeing the targets in the right spots like an end zone guy um you know it's it depends what you want between those two tight ends i think they offer different things we talked in length about pat fryermuth uh, a few weeks ago and we like them both it really just depends what you're looking for in your team the good thing is they're both out there like the whole game you know that's that's the good thing i i like them both i do like goddard straight up over fryermuth if i can get fryermuth plus for goddard i do like that but you know the peripherals are there for goddard he's running routes the target shares there it's just how much does he mesh with jalen hurts how much are they even throwing because when they're doing their best 
they're a team that does not throw very much. And that's what can really hurt Goddard. But again, we don't know what they're doing after this year. He signed a long-term contract to be there. I kind of, you know, still, still jive with Dallas Goddard. Yeah. And I feel like we're still kind of waiting though. Like the thing with Dallas Goddard is I'm just waiting. I'm waiting for that year that we've wanted since he came out uh, in the draft. I'm just, I'm just waiting. Um, He was a little bit of a late bloomer, which, which has me uh, still hopeful, but there is, you know, that is still a concern. Yeah. Well, I think that'll wrap it up for this episode. Chase, thank you very much for joining us and coming on, talking some football. Before we get out of here, is there anything you'd like to plug? Yeah, yeah. So if you guys want to find any of my writing, y'all can find it over there at playerprofiler.com. I write a weekly DFS piece, which this week was an absolute smash. I crushed it. It was, it was <laughs> awesome. Got some Justin Herbert in there. Got some Keenan Allen in there, Allison Eckler. Joe, I mean, it was it was a beautiful piece. It was a masterpiece, to be honest. When the Chargers <laughs> hit, they hit, right? Yeah. 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 Um, you know, and I had a few different other uh, ones. Like I went with, you know, Justin Jefferson, of course. And, you know, a little bit of Alexander Madison sprinkled in and, uh, you know, hit on some of those Lions players, which we just talked about. So, yeah, if you guys want to find my articles over there, playerprofiler.com. You guys can find me on Twitter at FF underscore intervention. On Twitter, you guys can go follow Fantasy Intervention at joinourcircle underscore on Twitter as well. If you guys want to check out a little cheat code, you all can check out the dump-off containment efficiency score or the dose score. It tells you when you can play pass-catching running backs up against certain competition. So you guys can find that at fantasyintervention.com slash D-O-C-E. And then Trophy Smack, trophysmack.com. I write a weekly piece about waiver wire players you should never pick up. Uh, hit on everybody this week and we still I still have one left with um with Kendrick Bourne telling you to, to fade him from last week so uh, with that windy there game we were go. talking about I'm pretty sure I'm gonna hit on that one too <laughs> you guys can check it out on trophysmack.com at the smack zone or trophy smack over there on Twitter and yeah I rank for dynasty nerds so go check out my rankings at dynasty nerds as well all right again thank you for joining us as for us Skylar you can find him on Twitter at the FF Buffalo. You can find me at YP underscore FF. You can find JWB at JWB underscore FF. Find all of our content at JWBFantasyFootball.com. Make sure to like, subscribe, follow everywhere, and we'll see you next time.